Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. from Lockdown NBA here, joined by the great Kane Pittman from the Lockdown Bucks podcast. And Kane, here we go again. Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> going back into the playoffs. You feeling good about this time? Yeah, this is the postseason of validation for the Bucks. That's what I'm calling it because all season long, all regular season long, we've looked at this team. We've looked at the different things they've tried offensively and defensively. But what do you actually take away from this regular season where players are missing left, right, and center? Teams are playing five games in seven days. So it's been really hard to actually know what you can take from this. And we knew the whole time that the only way or the only time you're going to find out how successful these changes have been are in the postseason. So uh, I think that if you're a Bucks fan, it's probably an anxiety-inducing uh, period of time, actually, because you, you understand if things don't go well, uh, it could get a little bit messy. Yeah, we'll get into some of the stakes a little bit later. Uh, I think that's going to be a really big segment for this team specifically. But let's just talk surface level. Who is in the playoff rotation? We know the names. We know Giannis. We know Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. We know those kind of guys. There's some new guys, obviously, with Holiday. But who is in the rotation and then which role players are really going to have to step up in that rotation? So we know the starters in terms of Giannis, Chris, Drew, Dante, and Brooke Lopez. They're, they're obviously going to play a significant part in the Bucks playoff rotation. But there are question marks over a couple of guys that they brought into the team. Uh, and that's Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis. Because again, I think both of those guys have been fantastic all season long. They've given the Bucks an offensive punch, a scoring punch off the bench that they haven't had in the past. They haven't had that guy that can come in off the bench and get you 20 points on any given night. But I think there is also some concern that during a playoff series, they are players that historically have been able to be targeted. Uh, Bobby Portis hasn't played a lot of playoff basketball, to be fair. But in regular season matchups, we've seen it from time to time. So I think those two are the wild cards. Are they playable in the postseason? Will they be taken advantage of? So Portis and Forbes are two players to watch. And then you have the guys that you you feel pretty comfortable they're going to play every night. Pat Connaughton will play. PJ Tucker will play. And then that gets you up to, to nine guys right there with the wild card being Jeff Teague. So I think we know that, that there's nine guys that are going to play most likely. Um, is there nine guys that you feel comfortable playing in every <laughs> that's situation? The, that's, that's the, the question. question. That's the real question right there is, do you actually feel comfortable with those guys playing in the rotation? Uh, has anybody really embraced like a fan favorite? Has there been, is it Bobby Portis or somebody? Has somebody emerged? You're like, oh, dang, this is like our Poku, you know, or, so, or somebody like that. I think it is Bobby, which is why everyone mm. wants him to to play well and, and be a success story in the postseason. Because um, if you look at his attitude and his personality and you think about the Bucks teams over the last two years, Giannis is obviously a great character and and he's he's funny and he plays around with the media and he's funny from that perspective. But Bobby Portis is a bit of a wild card. He lets his emotions fly a little bit. You see it out on the floor. He's out there flexing. And the Bucs don't really have a guy that's a wild card like that. So I think Bobby Portis, the fans have loved. Again, not only for the personality, 
uh, I think for the scoring punch that he's brought, he's had an excellent season offensively. He's had some really, really big games. So I think Portis is the guy that the fans really want to play well in the postseason mm. um, and probably been sort of uh, taken on as that fan favorite off the bench. Yeah, he definitely killed the Mavericks one game. That is for sure. <laughs> uh, what are the, what's the biggest strength of this team? I mean, obviously Giannis is kind of you know the big one. You could just say Giannis as a, as a strength of this team, but uh, they've changed a lot recently. What is the biggest strength, and then maybe what is the, the thing that this team struggles with the most? Yeah, I, I think the strength is this season compared to years gone by is offensive versatility, uh, because the, again, in years gone by, certainly once they've got to the postseason, the concern has been that, okay, give the ball to Giannis at the top. Go figure it out, man. You're going to have five guys standing in front of you. Go figure it out. And and that's a a very difficult challenge. And to be fair, I think if you look at the playoff numbers for Giannis, they're a lot better than they probably get portrayed. I mean, the guys still put up monster numbers in the postseason, but uh, over the course of a seven-game series, it becomes difficult to manage. So I think now adding... Drew Holiday. I mean, I, I don't know if that's got enough attention. The fact that <laughs> how much better he is than Eric Bledsoe, that's going to be significant. And the way they've utilized Brook Lopez within the perimeter. The uh, Pelicans know how, how big the, of a difference. <laughs> the scoring sure. punch off the bench. So I think offensively, I, I think that they're more versatile. They have more options. And, and I think we've seen that in big games throughout the season that they are able to score in the half court. Yeah, and uh, the win profile for this team. What are some of the biggest wins of the season where you look back and you go, dang, like that was a real good win for this team? And what are some of the worst losses, maybe the lowest moment of the season? Everyone seems to have one where they're like, oh, yeah, this was the, the point where either Bucks fans reacted the most or or however. Yeah, biggest wins probably came uh, – probably the two biggest wins recently, and they're, they're, they're easy to remember because they came in the last month, was the back-to-back wins over Brooklyn. And, and of course, the caveat that James Harden wasn't there. I mean, that that's the first thing to point out. But I think both of those wins, the fact that – uh, they were they trailed in both fourth quarters by six points and were able to come through and win both of those games, I think is significant because when you're playing a team like Brooklyn, even when they don't have James Harden, you know they're going to be able to score and they're going to continue to put points on. And I, I do think that the biggest question mark for this team has been their ability to, to score rather than defend in the postseason. So to see them score in the fourth quarter was big. Uh, they had another nice win against the Clippers earlier in the season where they really uh, locked them up uh, offensively. They couldn't score. It turned into full-blown isolation ball, which we know we see from the Clippers from time to time. But that was a big win for the Bucs uh, as well there. As far as bad losses, there's been a few. This has been the funny thing about the Bucs this season is that I think the consistency that we've come to expect from this team in the last two regular seasons is that they don't really lose to bad teams. They take care of business against bad teams. And that's why they've racked up those huge win totals. This year, they they really did play down to the opposition all season long. You could see that when they were playing a bad team, you knew within the first five minutes that they weren't that interested in playing that game. And <laughs> I think part of that is the schedule and the way that the, the league was set up this season. But also, I think it has been um, their uh, changed, I guess, attitude towards the regular season and understanding what it all means in the grand scheme of things. So I could probably point out a bunch of losses that they had to terrible teams, but let's uh, throw them all in the same basket. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone seems to have those games this season. It was, there's so many times where, yeah. and I've done a bunch of these where teams are like, yeah, they, you know, my, this team plays down to competition. I'm like, yeah, everyone does. It seems like yeah. this season has been, you know, one of those, uh, the stakes, let's get to it. This is the big one for this team. I think what happens if, and 
we do know that they're going to play the Miami Heat in the first round. What happens if they lose in the first round? What happens if they lose in the second round? Are there any big ramifications that you can foresee? Either, you know, a big trade. They've kind of already made their big trades, but are they going to ship anybody out? Is there a Middleton trade? Is it Coach Bud that's out? Is it the general manager? Like, is there anything coming, looming uh, on the negative side that you see a big change? And then you can also take it on the positive stretch too. Does anything happen if they win the title or, you know, something crazy happens? Yeah, I think you already pointed to it. Uh, I think from the player personnel side of things, the Bucks have already made their changes. We, they went with the same roster basically two years in a row. They understood they needed to upgrade the point guard position, so they went and got Drew Holiday. During the regular season, they've traded for P.J. Tucker. So I, I think that they've they've made the player personnel changes already, which leaves one guy. And I don't think anyone's that surprised if the Bucks fail in this postseason, then that can be first round, second round, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think that... They might be having a new coach next year. I don't think that that would, that would shock anyone. Um, they've obviously been fantastic the last few seasons. But once you start to get into your third postseason, it, it's, it's difficult to justify or to try and find ways how the team is going to improve next season when you've already made wholesale changes to the playing roster. The next logical place you look is the coach. So I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it seems that that's the direction they're heading. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting spot to be in because he's been so successful and you know adam silver once said you know in, in, a, in a media scrum i was in he said this built this business is so wild because we have i have 30 businesses under me and only one of them is successful <laughs> in the year right like only one of them wins the title and so for the bucks it's like if they if they don't win the title that's like or they don't get to the finals or even the eastern like the eastern conference finals that may not have be looked at as a success even though they've had these great regular seasons and buds one coach of the year and all that yeah it's just very fascinating Look at that. And I don't think, and I'll say this, I, I know that within the fan base, there's a lot of criticism for Bud, but I, I don't think that it's as simple as swapping out a coach yeah. and then all of a sudden the success comes. So I think that there has to be, there has to be a little bit of fear factor about changing the coach because there's a reason they've won so many games and there's a reason they've been so consistent because of, uh, you can question whether it's worked in the postseason. Clearly it hasn't to this point. But he set them up to have success and get in the position to uh, win playoff series, which they didn't do for two decades before he showed up uh, at the franchise. So, uh, look, it, it would be a big change. Like I said, I don't necessarily think it's fair, but um, like you pointed to, it's kind of the it's the nature of the business, I suppose. And every fan wants to point to, well, Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. That <laughs> yeah, one worked out yeah, really exactly. well. And then the, the, the old <laughs> one before that was Avery Johnson to Rick Carlisle. Like, as soon as they, they had all the success under Avery Johnson, then they changed coaches and boom. They win, they win a title, so not everybody can be that. Last thing for you here. Which national narrative have you heard about the Bucks, about Giannis, about anybody really on the team that's wrong or misunderstood? That either you know you heard a talking head or somebody say and just keeps spouting off like Giannis doesn't have a jump shot. You know that's kind of the, the big one uh, that if you heard that you've heard that's misunderstood or wrong. I found it really fascinating this year because I think the Bucks have been in the position where no matter what they did in the regular season they're not really going to impress anyone. And that comes, comes on the back of how dominant they've been the last two seasons. But just listening to podcasts, watching shows, I think it has been dismissed a little too quickly. And I already mentioned Drew Holiday, but I think it has been dismissed a little too quickly, that addition. And I, I think later in the season, and I think it came on the back of a couple of wins against Philly and a couple of wins against Brooklyn, people started to sit back and say, oh, okay, yeah, Drew Holiday is pretty good at basketball. But if you look at... And, and I always say this, and I feel bad for saying this because I, I really do 
love Eric Bledsoe. He was fair, played a lot of fantastic basketball in Milwaukee, so I don't like to uh, seem like I'm slandering this man. But if you look at the Miami series last year, he averaged 11 points, 30% from the field, 20% from, uh, from three-point land, and he played 35 minutes a game. So I just don't think that it's been emphasized enough the upgrade they have made at the point guard position. And I feel pretty confident in saying that before the playoffs start because Drew Holiday could probably play bad and he's still going to give you a significant upgrade to the production you got last year. I mean, we're talking about a very, very low bar. So I just think overall, the the type of player that Drew Holiday is, the guy that wants the ball in his hands in the half-court setting, can, can get his own shot. And obviously, we know the defensive stuff. I, I think that nationally it hasn't got enough attention and it it feels like all the attention originally was purely on the fact they gave up draft picks, which Giannis signed Supermax. You're talking about pick 25 in the draft for a few years. It doesn't matter. So I just think the on-court stuff has been overlooked a little bit. There you go. Kane Pittman, Lockdown Bucks. Go listen to it, subscribe to it, and uh, we'll see what happens with the Bucks going into the playoffs. A lot of stakes, a lot of things on the line. We'll talk about it and uh, Kane will cover it every day on Lockdown Bucks. Nick Gangstead from Locked On NBA here, joined by David Ramil of also Locked On NBA and the Locked On Heat podcast. David, going into the playoffs, how are you feeling about this Heat team? It's been a crazy up and down season. They made the finals last year, and it feels like they're so far away from it right now. Well, you know, pretty good actually. Uh, you know, they start they started off pretty badly. They had a few issues with health and safety protocols. Obviously, Jimmy missed a few weeks, and then. There was this kind of buildup towards the trade deadline, and that kind of fell a little flat because they weren't able to acquire a big name. Victor Oladipo was the biggest target they got, and, of course, you only wound up playing four games for the team, (laughs) so it didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. But they've still been playing pretty well over the last half of the season, and especially with Jimmy Butler in the lineup. So right now, I'm actually feeling pretty confident about their first-round matchup. The Miami Heat have been, it seems, all over the place with some of the players. Who's in? Who's out? Is Jimmy in? Is Jimmy out? Such a different team. Who's in the playoff rotation? Let's start there. And then which role players do you think will have to step up the most in that rotation? Well, unless we get some unforeseen change to the starting lineup, it's been the same lineup over the last couple of weeks. Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Trevor Ariza, who they acquired for Myers Leonard in a trade, and, of course, Bam Adebayo. And then coming off the bench, probably Goran Dragic, Andre Iguodala for his experience, Tyler Hero, and then the recently acquired Dwayne Dedman has been providing a little size and rebounding that Miami sorely lacked. So that seems to be the nine-man rotation that Spolster will be using going forward. What's this team's biggest strength? I mean, we've seen last season they had a couple of different scores. They had a pretty good defense in BAM, and this season, you know, again, a little bit all over the place. But what's the biggest strength for this Miami Heat team? It's Jimmy Butler. I mean, maybe that's a little <laughs> simplistic, but they win a lot with him there. He's one of the few players in the league that can single-handedly change the course of a game. Uh, obviously, you, you'll see him, and I've made this point before on the podcast, that every once in a while, he just kind of sits back. He's a great playmaker, an underratedly great playmaker. And then there are times there where he just says, oh, you know what? I need to kind of dominate. And then he can slow the game down, get to the free throw line. He averaged over 10 free throw attempts per game last year against the Milwaukee Bucks. So that expects to be a factor moving forward as well. And then he can dominate with his scoring. We see his three-point shooting kind of be a little streaky, but he's certainly capable of hitting it in clutch situations. So I think that's clearly Miami's biggest strength. Aside from that, it's Eric Spolstra too. Uh, His ability to make changes 
on the fly in games, I think is second to none, perhaps around the league. Uh, and, and certainly a huge advantage over Miami. I'm sorry, over Milwaukee moving forward. Mike Bodenholzer not known for his in-game adjustments. Uh, that's probably one of their biggest weaknesses. And so Miami can certainly take advantage of that. What about their? What about Miami's biggest weakness? Uh, you said that they were lacking some inside presence, which you know Bam Adebayo not the biggest, but he can definitely defend with some of the best of them. What is their you know, biggest weakness as a team? Well, Bam isn't always as aggressive as Heat fans would love him to be. There are moments there where they kind of scratch your head and go, you've got a wide open look. Why don't you knock that down? You can do it so pretty regularly. Until recently, he wasn't even able to dominate like lower guys, smaller guys in the low posts. Uh, he would get like a mismatch there and kind of pass out of a double team or or even, again, when he had a, a mouse in the house. And so it's been a little confusing for Heat fans not to see him kind of take over those kind of moments because we know he's certainly capable. Aside from that, you're kind of relying on journeymen, Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, guys that have all of a sudden been required to become huge factors for Miami, that's not exactly an ideal position as you're looking to repeat last year's success. So uh, Goran Dragic is also a problem for Miami fans, I think, because he's a huge X factor in that he was such a huge scoring complement to Jimmy Butler and Bam last year in the playoffs, but he hasn't quite been that over the last few weeks. He's shown some improvement, but overall, I think there's concerns about his age and overall health. So that's, that's something to look out for in the playoffs. Let's take a look at the win profile for this Miami Heat team. Uh, what are some of the biggest wins of the season? And then we can get into some of the worst losses. I mean, I think everyone remembers the the huge win over the Boston Celtics where they just kind of like pummeled them on national TV that yeah. one day when, when they were kind of tied there. Uh, yeah. What are some of the other bigger biggest wins or if that's the biggest one? It, that might actually be it because it kind of proved just enough that Miami was capable of distancing themselves from the other teams in that bottom six through eight category there, or six through 10 rather. They avoided the play-in altogether. So that was a big thing for them. They also had a big uh, win over the Utah Jazz at home, over the Lakers, albeit without Anthony Davis. So, you know, like so much of this season, it's kind of hard to take any regular season game too seriously yeah. because every team has had some issue or missing a key player here and there. But overall, Miami just feels confident. Like even against their current opponent, the Milwaukee Bucks, Jimmy Butler missed all three regular season games. So they have no idea what to expect from Jimmy. Although, of course, they got a pretty good sampling of what he can do last year in the playoffs. But I think those are the big wins there. And, you know, they've had some rough losses as well. Uh, you pointed out that uh, they've had some tough ones, like just games to – to below 500 teams like the Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, Minnesota Timberwolves, like the bottom dwellers. It seems like Miami always kind of plays to the level of their opponent, which is great because now you're facing quality opponents. Yeah, right. So you expect <laughs> the very best of them. But overall, it's just been kind of hard to predict exactly what version of the heat you'll see on a night to night basis. There's been a lot of teams so far. I've, I've done almost all of these through the, all the playoffs, and a lot of teams have said that. The Bucks. I just did that video. The Dallas Mavericks obviously played to their opponents. The Hawks have said that. Like So many teams this season seem to be playing to the level of their opponent. Uh, what are the stakes for this team if they don't make it back to the finals or if they lose in the first round? or What, what do you think could happen? I don't think Eric Spolster's job is at stake or anything like right. that. I don't know if they can make any big wholesale changes on the roster, but do you see anything happening to this team if they bow out early or even if they you know make it? another finals run like something could happen an extension or whoever not really it just kind of feels like they're playing with house money last year showed that they can be successful jimmy has proven to all the naysayers that he's capable of leading a team bam continues to make improvements everybody on this roster just has already proven something so it just feels like they're going into this matchup with incredible confidence because they don't have a lot of pressure to prove anybody wrong or anything like that they're just there's nobody's job is in, in jeopardy uh, there's not a lot like if Victor Oladipo probably had the most at stake. And unfortunately, yeah. he's not going to be available because of injury because he's entering the free agency. But for everybody else, Jimmy's under contract. Bam's under contract. 
there's no key player there that is worried about their future or anything like that. So right now, as you said, Eric Spolster too, with plenty of job security, there isn't as much at stake there as there are for other teams. They want to knock off a championship. Obviously, they want, they made a promise to Jimmy Butler, so that's probably the biggest pressure that they have is to fulfill the promise they made to him. But other than that, it's not really a lot of pressure, especially not from like outside sources. Like They don't care what anybody thinks. And so that's a, a huge relief for them moving forward is that they can just kind of concentrate on what they do well and focus on that. Maybe not a stake or, I guess, an implication, but what about Tyler Hero going into the playoffs? He was like this breakout star last season, and it seems like he hasn't really followed it up with a season that matched that level of play that he had during the playoffs. What do you think? Could could there be reputation at stake, or could he could he prove everybody right that he was you know this great breakout star from last season in these playoffs? I mean, if he has some great games and a few clutch shooting opportunities, I think that certainly will – go a long way towards saying well he was able to make some improvements but you think about his whole career like obviously from the first year to the second year he had that long hiatus there but then during this most recent offseason the shortest offseason of any rookie so it's not like he had a lot of time to kind of incorporate anything new into his game so he's taken not necessarily a step back but he hasn't just he hasn't taken a leap that a lot of people expected including myself that he would so I think for him if he has a big series or a big playoff run then maybe he can show that he's a, a foundational piece moving forward. Otherwise, you could see Pat Riley saying, well, maybe it's time to make some changes. And look, Pat Riley, he'll always trade anybody on, on this roster for any superstar <laughs> that becomes available. If there's a chance to acquire Dame Lillard or anybody else, he'll package Tyler Hero away in a heartbeat. You don't have to worry about that. This is the guy who who packaged Lamar Odom a year after signing him and say, you know what, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal's available, yeah. <laughs> or we're going to go ahead and make that trade anyway. Sorry, thanks for your time. I just want everyone to know if they're listening on the audio version of this that you rolled your eyes when you said Damian Lillard. I just, I just, need, I just need everyone to know that. <laughs> that was uh, All right, last thing for you. What's the most prevalent national narrative you've heard about the Miami Heat, maybe about Jimmy Butler or about Bam or even Tyler Hero or somebody like that, Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley, something that you've heard that you're like, that's just wrong or misunderstood or that they got this wrong. I mean, the heat culture seems like the one thing that people keep talking about. Is that all it's cracked up to be? You know, Does anything like that stand up? No, I mean, that is absolutely true. So I can't dispute that. I mean, they just expect everybody, they hold everybody accountable. Like that's probably the most simplistic way of saying it. They have a high standard and they make sure you reach it. If it takes body fat tests or making sure that you put in the work, whatever it is, and having a guy like Udonis Haslam on the bench to kind of just say, you know what, this is a place where you need to prove yourself on a nightly basis. That's a, a, a big help for uh, any anybody who joins the Heat. They know what they expect when they come into it. But I think it's also wanting to disprove the whole fluke talk. Uh, I mean, they've been discounted all year long, right, because they, they took advantage of the bubble or they were able to have, uh, I don't know, an, an unclear advantage over every other team in the Orlando bubble. That just hasn't been the case, really. They're just they're dedicated. They're, they're consumed with winning. They're focused on winning. And so I think they have a good mix of veterans, young players, and, of course, great coaching to kind of get them to that next level. So that's, I think, the biggest narrative about them is a fluke or anything like that. I mean, you look at the Lakers. They're in the playing tournament. The Heat, conversely, are not. So, I mean, I know the Western Conference certainly a lot Conference tougher. is a little different there. <laughs> Maybe. But at the same time, I mean, like, the Lakers weren't considered flukes, right? They, they won a title, and so it's just kind of weird, although LeBron gets his fair share of criticism, perhaps. But Miami, I think they just they want to prove to themselves that they can win at the highest level. And that's what their biggest focus is. David Ramil of Locked On Heat, go ahead and go listen to that episode and that podcast five days a week covering the Miami Heat all throughout the playoffs and then into the offseason. Thank you so much for joining me, David. You got it.